What is the intro? I don't know. You're the one that's in charge of the intro. Happy Hyrule, hello, and welcome to the Milk Bar, a in-depth Zelda analysis podcast. Is that what we're calling it? An in-depth analysis? What do you want to call it? This is episode two. We can call it anything you want. Um, I just was calling it a, a Zelda exploration podcast. A Zelda exploration. That's probably better. I, can we can we smash the words together and do Zeldspiration? Zeldspiration. I, I don't think that really means anything though. Zeldexploration. Let's just have two separate words. I think that would work best. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Um, yes. This is the milk bar. Uh, I'm Tori Vaz. I'm Jane Crocker. And um, it has been eleven months since our last podcast episode. That's a really good track record because by the time that we're like 80, we'll have like five episodes. Or wait, we could do one per year. It'll just be a yearly podcast. No, I really, that's not really the route I want to go down. I kind of wanted it to be a little more regular than that, but this is where we are. We're doing our best because this is our first podcast. We're doing our best right now. Full honesty, full disclosure. And. Maybe there won't be another episode for another 11 months. I'm hoping that's not how it's going to go. But But then you can really look forward to it. You know, this episode, we've been working all year on it. Yeah, we've been working a whole (laughs) dang year. Um, Right. So... That's not true. Last time, we spent a whole episode talking about the game Ocarina of Time. We sure did. And um, that was very fun, and I yes. thought it would be appropriate today if we decided to talk about Majora's Mask. That sounds fun. And it comes after Ocarina of Time, so... Right. Um, makes sense. So, a little bit... I'll just kind of give a little bit of info about Majora's Mask. So, uh, this game was released in 2000, so it is... 18. Old enough to vote. It is 18 years old this year. October 26th, so yeah, I could have voted. It could have voted in the recent yeah. election, and I just dated this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, the interesting thing about this game, so if you remember from last time, uh, that Ocarina of Time was released in 98. So this game had a one-year development cycle. It, they made this game in one year. That's crazy. Yeah, um, so basically, it was kind of interesting, so basically for, I said basically five times, Chill, it's all good. Um, yeah, start over. so there was going to be an expansion for Ocarina of Time called Ura Zelda, and they Ura, were going, what does that mean, what does that, like, translate um, to? Ura Zelda. I assume it's just like a, like a prototype name. I actually didn't. It just meant, like, another Zelda. Like, Zelda again. We're making the sequel to Zelda. Yeah. We're making Zelda 2 2. Zelda 2, the sequel to Zelda, which, even though this was actually... Majora's Mask is Zelda 6? Yeah, yeah. But when you were were born into the N64 era, like we were, and this would probably make (laughs) older Zelda fans a little angry, uh, I called Majora's Mask Zelda 2. That's just, like, what... Me and my friends called it. Yeah. 
And I I just knew it as Zelda 2. That's what we called it. Yeah, I, I had the vague notion that there were other Zelda games before, so I didn't call it Zelda 2, but in my mind it was like the sequel. Yeah, and, and then when I learned about the before Zeldas and the, all the after Zeldas, <laughs> I my mind was opened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, for those of you who are not aware of the N64's kind of ill-fated 64DD expansion. Basically, it I'm was, not aware of it. It was going to be like basically, I think it was like the size of another N64 and then okay. you, it, you like put it on top of your N64. Oh, so it's some it's some Sega CD shit. Yeah, it like made it 32x. It made it better, I guess. Um, I don't it definitely wasn't released in the U.S. I'm not. I don't think it was released in Japan either. Maybe there was some prototypes. Well, there is like the like expansion little chuck that you put the in the N64 pack. or in the controller. Yeah, or... the expansion pack. Yeah. So that was you took out a little piece, a little little memory thing, and you up, put in the upgraded red one, and that that way you could play Donkey Kong 64. Yeah. <laughs> it. It came with Donkey Kong 64, right? Yeah, that's why but most it, people bought Donkey Kong 64. Yeah, that's probably why we bought Donkey Kong 64, because I didn't really want to play the ape, the very laggy ape game, but I, I'm, like, not a Donkey Kong person. Don't at me. I was at the EB Games, or whatever it was at the time, probably EB Games. EB Games. Uh, with my mother, and she wanted, I wanted, um, she wanted to buy it too, the new Zelda game. And the guy told us, you can't play this unless you have the expansion pack. So my mom was like, okay, I guess, can we get the expansion pack too? And he was like, we're sold out unless you buy it packaged with Donkey Kong It's literally a scam. Like, it's literally (laughs) a scam. And they probably sold millions of Donkey Kong 64s because of Majora's Mask. So that's what we did. My mom was like, well, I guess I have to buy this game so that we can play the other game. You know, the expansion pack really did a lot, I think, because for some reason, like, the textures or, like, something about, like, the way the game is built, it, like, makes me feel like it's just a substantial Zachary of time, even though it's, like, I guess technically shorter if you get down to brass tacks. Yeah. The main thing you'll notice if you actually compare the two is the draw distance is greatly The draw improved. distance. The draw distance is way better. In... So what does that mean for people who don't know what that means? So, like, basically you can just see things further away. There's less fog... Um, That'll do it. There's actually quite a bit of fog in Ocarina of Time that kind of blocks you from seeing things that are really far away, and it was greatly diminished in Majora's Mask. I think that, like, it pretty much loads all of Termina Field at once. That's cool. Like, from what I could remember. Like, it seems like the whole thing pretty much The overworld is not that laggy. And I have, actually, Ocarina of Time's like that, too, so I, I really like... I, I do. It's like those games have always seemed very well optimized, yeah. whereas others on the N64, like Donkey Kong 64 or Banjo Kazooie or like anything Rare made, is just like very poorly Rare optimized. Made? Donkey Kong 64? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so. I don't feel like I knew that. Yeah, that's probably why I don't like it very much. Um, another note about the expansion pack is that, like, like other things, for accessories for the N64, it was PAK was the. Yeah, why do they do that? Why, what? That was just, like, there was the rumble pack and the memory pack and the expansion It's very pack. cutesy. It's, <laughs> Nintendo's been doing that stuff for a while, I guess, like, just inventing words that, like, don't need inventing, like, Wiimote and... Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think that 
Joy-Con. Wiimote was more of a, a fan coinage, really? I thought. I guess I thought they say Wii, the Wii Remote Controller. Yeah. The Wii Remote, and then Wiimote kind of, like, came later. Yeah. Anyway. They were um, into it, though, for sure. So the 64DD or Zelda thing did not work out or pan out, really. And it's really so, sad. Um, I would... <laughs> I, I'm trying to... I'm just gonna... Ad lib joke about DD like double D's <laughs> like boobs. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the douche. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So <laughs> Anuma wanted to make this game, and from what I understand, the story is something like Miyamoto said, "Okay, but you have one year to do it." <laughs> oh man. Um. So Anuma and I believe there was another director on this. Um, and, uh, Mimoto was a producer on this title. Um, so... That, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but that really does sound like <laughs> the plot to, like, the summer, like, buddy comedy of the year. Like, they're trying to make a game. The problem, they only have one year to do it. And that's really what happened. Like, she grew they Miyamoto. Had year, they had one year to do it, and they were like, well, I guess that means we are going to need to, need to take a head start on this. So they just took all of the assets and, like, engine and everything from Ocarina of Time, and then they were like, okay, let's just remix this shit. Yeah. And just make it... And then that's, I think, kind of um, where this sort of idea for the the alternate universe of Termina kind of sprang from was this need to reuse all of the assets from yeah. the original game. It's, it's what's especially... It's not even just, like, the enemies and the textures and stuff. It's like characters themselves are there, but they're like different characters in this other world. And it's like, but it's, I, I, they're so like memorable to me that I have a hard time imagining what kind of new character models there would be if they had like taken more time to make this game. It would have been an game. entirely different game. That's so weird. I don't know if I like, like Majora's that. Majora's Mask is like this because it was on this time crunch. And it really like... The whole game is around being crunched for time. Like, you have this three-day yeah. cycle. Like you're always on the clock. And that is also the vibe of the the development team was under, was the sort of need to get it done kind of before the end of the N64's life cycle. It Like, it, they were racing against the clock, um, not just for like getting it done a year, but like the N64 was going to be going on its way out. Like, yeah. they were... Um, Probably already working on the GameCube at this point. That's always crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, at least in the early stages, I doubt the idea of the GameCube existed yet, but they were probably, yeah. like, working on it and how they were going to do the they next were, generation. <laughs> they were just trying to pick the shape. Should it be Sphere? Should it be Game Sphere? The Game Sphere. No, they were Which probably that's, like, that's what a Drake kind and Josh of thing. Um, so this game... It's spherical. ...has... Probably the least amount of actual dungeons of pretty much any Zelda game. Yeah. Unless you count, I guess, like Breath of the Wild that didn't have any standard dungeons, and in that case there would have been four, so it's similar in that regard. These but dungeons are nuts, though. The dungeons are really interesting, but They're not for the in contrast, it probably has one of the larger side quest um, rosters, and it also, a little 
note that I stumbled across that has the most heart pieces and bottles of any Zelda game. Really? Yeah. That kind of surprises me. And that kind of, it makes sense because usually you do get a heart container as a reward for completing a dungeon, so there's less dungeons, and we are working on that standard, like, 20 heart maximum. Yeah. You do need to have more heart pieces. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know you why. You don't have heart why pieces Why were there anymore? so many bottles in this game? There were six bottles. That's so you can carry a whole lot of milk. Keep your bones strong for when you jump off those ledges and break your knees. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I don't know if, if you compared this to Breath of the Wild, it would probably be kind of comparable in the amount of heart pieces, just because heart pieces weren't as much of a thing in that game. You have just, orbs. It was orbs. And you get four of them, and that's a Forbes, and they turn them in. But that's a different episode. Yeah, we'll get to that. Don't worry. Um, there was um, a re-release of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there was a 3DS remake, and love that. Um, a kind of interesting historical note about the the remake was that there was a online petition slash website slash letter writing campaign called Operation Moonfall, and I <laughs> oh remember God. this. Everyone was. So annoying about this, including me. Where's Majora's Mask? Every time, like any like interview happened, or like anyone who is a Zelda person was there, there would always be somebody in like the press who was like, "What about Majora's Mask remake?" And there's this one GIF of like somebody asking Adrian Numa about Majora's Mask, like before the actual game was announced, and he just like he doesn't answer the question. He just like laughs really hard, and then goes the next question. (laughs) He doesn't answer. He just looks into the he just looked into the camera and mouthed help me and yeah. then and nothing. Cause um yeah and I was actually like I actually did email Nintendo and get that form response where they were like thanks for you know your email or whatever but like that everyone else got. Um and this was actually inspired by Operation Rainfall which was a um, another campaign to get Nintendo to release a bunch of Wii. RPGs that were like JRPGs did that, that did never that one got released. Work? Yes, um, that included Xenoblade Chronicles. So Xenoblade Chronicles was not released originally, and then a bunch of people fought to get it released over here. Now I can't imagine why anyone would want a thing like that. Oh, you haven't even played it. Shut up, James. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't like I don't like games. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I guess. We can get to some of our main talking points. So, uh, <laughs> on this show, we kind of just go through a very all the natural different... human sentence. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Sorry. Jane is so mean to me if you guys I didn't you. notice it by now. Um, so, yeah, dungeons. So, there's four of them in this game, unless you count the moon dungeons, which are kind of like mini dungeons. No, the moon dungeons are just hell torture. Um, that's, that's like the Bowser's Castle. We'll talk about those separately. So, uh, out of the four, which is your favorite dungeon? Um, my favorite's probably gotta be, uh, I really like the, the zombie one, the Ikana one, but it's really hard. Stone Tower Temple. Yeah, that one's really cool because it's really thematically interesting. Stone Tower Temple is- Why don't you tell us about Stone Tower Temple, please? Stone Tower Temple is wild. Um, it's basically like- um, again, if you haven't played it, you, uh, go through this dungeon, and then you get the light arrows halfway through, and then after you get halfway through this dungeon, you have to leave it, and there's, like, a gem outside that you have to shoot with the light arrows, and once you shoot it, the whole dungeon is flipped upside down so that the sky is on the floor, and then, like, the floor is on the sky, and then you have to, like, re-navigate your way through the dungeon. 
literally the craziest shit I've ever seen in a video game. It's yeah, so it's good. wild. And, like, there's all kinds of, like, crazy fan theories and, like, interpretations of this dungeon. Like, you can read a really good 2006 article by Hylian Dan about how he compares it to the Tower of Babel. It's really interesting. And, like, basically his thesis there is that, like, Majora was a punishment unleashed mm-hmm. upon, like, the blasphemous people of Termina for, like, worshipping the giants instead of oh. worshipping the golden goddesses. So he's, like, a Sodom and Gomorrah like, Yeah, kind of kinda, like a... Yeah. Kind of like a big so, like, horseman they, of the so, apocalypse. Yeah, like, they built the tower to try to get to heaven, and then it the goddesses flipped it upside down and said they get into hell and release Majora, which is, like... That's crazy. Which is pretty crazy, and, like, it's it's just kind of, like, an interesting literature, literary um, interpretation of it, but I've always found it so fascinating. I mean, the thing about Zelda, especially Majora's Mask, which has, like, so many details, like, I can't think of another Zelda game that's as detailed as Majora's Mask, mm-hmm. because there's, like, something to discover in every single corner. I feel like it is really up to, like whatever interpretation you get out of it because like they purposely leave stuff vague and Zelda fans are always wanting to like take every single tiny little detail and I like really admire the way that they that they write Zelda games and Majora's Mask stands at like for me like the most compelling detail from that article was that there's like these blocks outside the temple that have like these guys with their tongues sticking out and if mm-hmm. you look at like and if you look at the bottom of the blocks which is a little bit tricky to do for most camera angles but it looks like like little legs in a crotch and then there's Wait, like really? Yeah, and then there's, what? like, a Triforce on their crotch and they're like licking the Triforce on their crotch. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so it what? seems like it's kind of trying to communicate that like they really had no regard for the Triforce so or the it's, goddesses. So it's, like, or, blasphemous like, in yeah. some way. It's trend. That's so weird. Which is, like, yeah. It's like an upside-down cross kind of thing. Yeah, or it like was, a satanic like, cross. really weird. Which is even more confusing when you think about, like, low rule, and some people think that's Termina, but that's another conversation. I have not heard that one before. We'll have to get into that now. I've heard that. It's pretty interesting. Um, uh, yeah. So... Stone Tower Temple also has probably one of the best tracks in the game, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I will probably play a little bit of Please here. do. Yeah. It's also the most annoying. Yeah, it's really hard, but it's Nope, it's not the most annoying. The water one's the most annoying. I hate... The water one? The Great Bay Temple. I think it's kind of a bad rap. I think that it's actually a lot more straightforward than people give it credit for. Especially in the... They they did a lot on the remake to make it more streamlined. Like, they put all, like, the different arrows and colored pipes and stuff a lot more obvious. But, like, even in the original, you just had to follow the pipes, basically. Like, you were like, oh, I need to turn on the red switch, so follow the red pipe until you find it. Yeah, but the controls, like, how bad the swimming controls are in Zelda games kind of, like... 
I love that very the difficult. swimming controls in Majora's Mask. Zora's are, Zora controls are okay. Zora's not my favorite form. I used to always just, like, go into that, like, that little pond next to the stage in the uh, Great Bay Hall and just, like, do that dolphin, like, like jump up, yeah. like, up over again. And I would just, that like, practice, fun. like, doing that over and over again and then, like, running into the ocean and just swimming everywhere. For some reason, I never feel right when I have Link transform into the other Links. I love Deku Link, and I could, like, be that form forever, but, like, for some reason, when I'm in, like, Zora or Goron, I'm just, like, I want to go back to regular Link so I can, like, fire arrows and stuff, because yeah. Zelda, for me, is all about those arrows. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, like, I can't fire arrows as as Zora Link. He just has that stupid, that useless boomerang that goes around everything and bounces back when it hits walls. I hate that bullshit. So you didn't like that? No, That's I hate it. I think, like, the fight, trying to fight as, like, any of the, uh, like, non-human races is, like, but really Gorlink difficult. But is so powerful because he just, like, smashes everything to the ground and kills it. Yeah, but something. his range is, like, pitysome. Yeah, I mean, obviously they wanted most of the combat to actually be in... That's true. ...in sword. That's, form. like, I feel like that is, like, one of those places where it really shows that... Mm-hmm. They were like stressed for time, but it's still really good. Is the yeah. thing like it's still better than combat and like fifty percent of games. The so flying, like I you know, like the flying mechanics are really strong, and that's probably because they're around since the beginning of the game, and like you have to. Oh, the Deku really, flowers. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was. There's that a was there's a puzzle in Stone Tower Temple. It's not really a puzzle. It's more like a time challenge to like get across these wind things to get this fairy, and yeah. it's so. Fucking hard. Yeah. But it's so satisfying when you finally get it. I also love the noises. I always yeah. I've always loved that. The Decuscope Playground remains the hardest minigame. Oh no, fuck that. Me. That's like the one thing I, I just won't do it. Really? No, I just won't do it. I'll get everything except that. Yeah, I do it. Um my favorite minigame is always the shooting gallery. I, I, I the love the Octorok one. The Octorok one I like. You like the shooting gallery. Yeah, shooting gallery is like That's weird. Why do I not like the shooting gallery, but I love the bow and arrow? I don't the... know. It's just that I prefer to shoot and kill things, not shoot some rupees. Yeah, but the shooting minigame in Clock Town is oh, you shoot shit. Octoroks. Oh, and then the swamp one, you oh. shoot like the wolfos and stuff, and they're like running around. It's really hard. Okay, that one's fun. But yeah, see, they're really hard. It's like, oh, you didn't hit everything. Fuck you. I'm taking 200 rupees. <laughs> Uh, it's 20 rupees that's like that's like 20 dollars they're equivalent we have okay that's pretty much are there any other mini games that are worth mentioning mini games i fucking i fucking hate mini games in zelda so i see they're like some of my favorite things okay i i love one mini game in zelda and it's the the ball in the hole thing from twilight princess where you like tilt the thing. Oh, roll goal! I love roll goal! Oh it's God. fucking... Ho- we tried to beat every every episode, or every uh, stage once, but we can't talk about that. Shores Mask right, only. moving on. Okay, and Jorah's uh, Mask minigames are piss. Let's, let's talk about masks. Masks. This is my favorite freaking, like, item collection thing in any game, period. I okay. love the masks. Give me your favorite mask. Bunny Hood, because it's the one I use the most, and I like Bunnies. Bunny Hood is really good. I get it as early as I can, which is, I wait till I do, 
wait a minute, you can get it as soon as you're... You have to have the ocarina and the sword. You need the Goron mask. You do not need the Goron mask. Yeah, you do. No, you don't. Because if you wait till day three, the miner has cleared the rock. Oh, you're totally right. You're completely right. Yeah, I get it as early as I can because I love the bunny hood. It's like, it's always on my C buttons. I think aside from that, one of my other favorite masks is the one where you like, it's the strangest goddamn thing. But like every other mask is on your face. But then there's this one fucking mask that's like the, the what's it, like Sojiro. That's not his name. Kojiro. I was really close. Is that right? I don't think so. Uh, okay. The dancing man who's like, ha! He, his mask is like weirdly, like gives you a new neck, like Zaphod Beeblebrocks. Yeah, it's very weird. But anyway, ah, it's a good mask. Kamaro! Kamaro, we know. Kojiro why. is the name of the blue chicken from Ocarina of Time, and I apologize. So Sojiro is just nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kamaro's mask. Yeah, that mask is Kamaro. very interesting looking. That was always one of my favorite heart pieces to get, is where you yeah, dance for the girls. And they just, like, love you. Yeah. It's like, wow, you're so good. Um, I'm a big fan of Kumia's mask because it's basically... Which one is that? That's the cow. Oh, yeah, the milk bar admission mask. Yeah. It's so, very relevant. So it's basically like an ID card. <laughs> Like, here's my ID. I'm 21. Let me into this bar, please. And they're like, oh, we can't let you into the bar unless you're wearing a cow mask. <laughs> then we know you're a real adult. Then we completely trust you. What? <laughs> what kind of logic <laughs> is It's fucking that? crazy. That's why... Oh God, do, so okay, so do you think that Chateau Romani is alcoholic? Absolutely, I do. It doesn't explicitly say so in the game, because that would be messed up, but like... I mean, the Geeky Chef's interpretation of it has... I would uh, agree. I mean, it is a bar. I just think, like, it's implied enough. It's like in How Harvest Moon, it's like grape juice when it's, like, yeah. obviously wine. <laughs> yeah. Or just, like, because the milk bar is such a consistent theme. Oh, it's the name of our podcast. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. We're here. This is the final We're episode. talking about the milk bar in the milk bar. Um, Good for us. It's such a consistent concept in the Zelda series that, like, I almost wonder if, like, milk is, like, usually, like, mixed Alcoholic. with alcohol. It would make it's sense. Served. It's just, like... Like, that's just kind of a standard preparation. It's just, like, a Hylian alcoholic tradition. It's, like, how Irish people, like me... Bailey's Irish cream. That is an ingredient in the Chateau Romani cocktail. Yes, <laughs> I agree with that. I would highly recommend that. It's a really good cocktail. I bought cocktail. it. I bought it for um, you for Valentine's Day. Oh, the book, yeah. I remember I made that one time in high school, and I was like, hell yeah. Yeah, I would <laughs> like to drink all. We that. should make some. Um, yes. I it's also like got that. like sparkling water in it, so it's like kind mm. of like a little bubbly. It's so good. Um. Mm. Oh, I totally had something to say, but I lost it. Also, you have to have it for the Twin Rova, or not Twin Rova, Twin Mold, Twin Mold boss fight, because otherwise you'll run out of magic all the time. What? Explain. So, you know, you have to, like, wear that giant's mask and turn into a big giant while you're fighting Twin Mold, yeah. and it costs oh, magic. Oh, Chateau Romani, okay. Yeah, Chateau Romani, you gotta yeah. have that, otherwise it's, like, way harder for that boss yeah. fight. Yeah, guess what? Yeah. Boss fight was impossible for me, and now I know why. <laughs> I mean, you can do it because there is ways to replenish your magic, but it's so annoying that like people just drink Shanta Armani. 
You just always, like, before you go to Stone Tower Temple, just get a bottle of it. I just think it's so funny how that's, like, they're... That's how they, like, quote-unquote card you. You don't get to see day four where the bartender gets his alcohol license revoked. I also really like the logic of Cafe's mask because, basically, (laughs) the way you get it... The way you get this mask, people, is you you walk into the mayor's office of the town of Termina and he goes... A normal thing for kids to do. Uh, wait, no, not the mayor. Uh, uh, it is the mayor's office. The mayor's but wife. The mayor's wife. You walk into Madama Roma's office. <laughs> That's the names that she has. And you Does say, she smell bad? And you say, um, like, hey, like, what's going on? And she's like, oh, you must be the, the investigator I hired, 12-year-old boy. What the fuck? So take this mask that looks like my son's face and go around and ask people, have you seen That's a guy so that looks like this? And that's what you do to get information about it's like, him. It's like they needed one more mask. And they were like, we originally just had, like, you show a picture to people, like a fucking normal person. But then they are like, like, what if we did it as a mask? Have you seen this guy? <laughs> have you seen this ghastly visage with no eyes? <laughs> and then people respond to you like, that's a normal question. Oh, you're looking for cafe. <laughs> that side quest kicks ass, by the way. Yeah, this is so we, many should, we should talk about cafe. To, there's so much um, depth to it. Cafe is, like, probably the first playable character in a Zelda game that's not Link. Oh, yeah. And it's they weird. used that later in Wind Waker. They used like it that. for Medley and uh, Makar. Yeah. Is the whole idea oh, that you swap oh, between... Oh. That is such a cool dungeon. Also, that is a place where, oh, it's time for Tori's Glitch Corner, where I talk about my favorite glitch from this game. Tori's Glitch Corner. Pew! That's the theme song. Okay, we'll, we'll workshop that. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you... Um, there's actually two glitches here, because it's a very glitchy part of the game. Right. <laughs> so you can um, actually... If you miss the cutscene to, like, get into Sakan's hideout when Cafe is, um... So, like, you have to, like, wait with Cafe on the third day, I believe, for Sakan to show up. It's such a specific time. It always fills me with such anxiety getting over there. And if you miss it, you can, uh... You can basically, like, roll into the seam between the boulder (laughs) and the wall until you clip in. And then it'll just... But you can do that, like... Anytime. Anytime. It's very weird, but anyway. It is not that hard to do. I do recommend, if you have this game, just, like, go look up how to do it and try to do it. <laughs> it's if, really easy. If you're interested, it's really easy to do. But there's a way that you can... Oh, see, now I'm gonna not, not say how to do the glitch right. No, do it. But you can, uh, while you're, like, swapping back and forth between Link and Cafe, you can put on the Fierce Deities mask. What the fuck? Even though you're not supposed to be able to do that outside of boss rooms. Oh, and then no. you can just, like, run around the world after the cutscene as Fierce Deity. Forever? Just until you reset time. What the or fuck? Or you take the mask off. Do you have the laser sword? Yeah, you got everything. That's awesome. Yeah, but if you, like, talk to people or go into certain areas, the whole game just crashes... Because like, they they can't, the universe around you cannot stand your presence because yeah. you're too well, powerful. What ends up happening is that every 
most not every character most characters have specific dialogue based on what mask you're wearing like they yeah. respond to you differently so any character that responds to you differently they're either going to give you like a glitch text not say anything or crash the game yeah characters that don't have specific dialogue usually are fine to talk to okay. but like things like the soldiers in the town or like anyone that talks to you differently yeah. based on how you look which is a lot of characters they uh yeah that'll just either you'll get like weird question marks or glitch text or a crash or something it's really weird they'll actually start attacking you and you can take (laughs) over the town they're so afraid of you and then there's certain areas where if you try to load them it doesn't work and it's a very fun glitch to mess around with um i would say is comparable to swordless epona and how much it fucks everything up and how great it is to do so i would recommend it you that it rivals horse quest to you yeah horse quest this is called Fierce Deity Quest. Oh, this is a good um, segue into my thing on Fierce Deity. Do that. So, thing. Fierce Deity is Japanese. It's called the Kishin Mask, which um, which means the kanji is the kanji for oni or demon, and then mm-hmm. shin is for kami or god. So usually, you could you could literally translate it as like Fierce Deity. Like that's a that's pretty, a pretty accurate pretty translation. accurate translation. Um, when I was a kid, I didn't know what that meant, so I called it Fierce Deity. It's just what we did. Um, But there's kind of an interesting translation note about... um, So, near the end of the game, when you get the Fierce Deities mask, uh, the Skull Kid, or not the Skull Kid, the Majora Kid, the Majora weird Moonchild Kid, Mm -hmm. will... Come play with me. He'll be like, let's play good guys and bad guys. But the original um, translation of that, the original Japanese was... Let's play tag. Okay. Because in Japanese, tag is called onikoko. Oh, And okay. that's because when you're it in tag, in Japanese, you're the oni. Oh. So he was like, well, let's play tag and you can be the oni. Oh, that just does not translate. It doesn't translate. But that's way more evocative. But because it's not called the oni mask. A lot of people, that's a common misconception, actually. It's not called the oni mask. It's not called oni link. That's not actually in the game. It's kishin link or kishin mask. But the, the, a lot of fans adopted the shorthand Oni because it's the first kanji in its name. And also there's this line about being the Oni that the Majora Kid gives you. So you will see that a lot on, like, Pixiv or, like, other Japanese fan sites referred to as Oni Link. That's pretty normal. Can I just say that, like, Nintendo's polish in their translation has been, like, really good ever since... The N sixty four era, at least, no, even because Link to the Past is good too. But like in this game, that that's like such a thing where I don't, I don't know, just like you don't, you don't see a lot of games like that that are like translated so well, mm-hmm. where it's like it really does yeah. evoke the Japanese text. I would like think that probably they could have translated it as "Let's play tag and you're it." Like that, that would have been a fine translation. Yeah. Or, for some reason in my brain, I always remember the line as, like, first, I'm like, oh, he says, like, let's play, like, cops and robbers or something. Yeah. But he doesn't say that. He says good guys and bad guys. Yeah. So I don't know why I always, like, ima- like that's that, what that my was, brain goes to. That was my first thought, too, is I was yeah. like, isn't he like, oh, let's play cops and robbers. But... See, we always remember it that way. So that that's probably, our cultural That probably thing. would have been a good translation, too, because that's what we all ended up thinking it was anyway. What if they play cops but and yeah, robbers? But yeah, Onigoko. So yeah, Oni Link is kind of a fan creation fan name but it's pretty um it's pretty accurate to the uh actual kanji that are used Mm -hmm. 
And the idea of the Fierce Deity Link actually came from... There was an original idea in the development that there would be a mask that turned you into Adult Link so that you could play as an adult, like, Ocarina of Time character. But once they kind of decided that Link was going to be able to use all the weapons, like, all the time, that they kind of were like, well, this is useless. There's no point point in doing this. But they didn't want to get rid of all of the kind of, like, work that they came up with yeah. as far as, like, being able to turn into adults. So okay. that's kind of, like, where the idea of the Fierce Dating Mask came from in development. I, I'm glad they didn't keep that just for, like, story reasons because I think, like, his whole quest following Ocarina of Time, like, being a child in this, like, even darker world is, yeah. like... And we can very, get into cool. kind of toward the end some of my, like, thoughts about Majora's Mask and kind of what Those the whole character arc represents. But, um... Do you have anything else you want to talk about before I launch on my shit? No, go ahead. So let's here. Let's. Well, I'm dying to hear this shit you're talking about. So let's launch into your shit, please. Okay. So basically, for me, like my interpretation of this game has been really based around sort of the character progression from Ocarina of Time. So if you look at it from this character-driven point of view. Um, Ocarina of Time is all about, like, a child being thrust into, uh, having a deal with, like, very adult situations and kind of without the benefit of going through something like puberty, Mm -hmm. right? Because puberty is this kind of transitional time where you are trying to figuring out, like, what being an adult is still. Ocarina of Time is a game about appreciating puberty. Well, it's just, like, he doesn't have the benefit of like, going through this sort of transitional period. He just thrust into having to deal with, like, an adult and being, having to deal with really real situations. Uh, yeah, that sucks. That he is kind of barely equipped to deal with, mm-hmm. but, like, does. Mm-hmm. And is forced to, because if he doesn't, you know, everything goes fuck. Yeah, so, he doesn't really have a choice. But Majora's Mask is a little more introspective in the way that it kind of handles Link's character because he seems to be a few years older. That's kind of always been my interpretation is that it's maybe a few years after um, the return to... And we're talking about the child timeline here. So this is... uh, Ocarina of Time Link has returned to his time and then warned Zelda about Ganondorf's betrayal before it happens. Mm -hmm. And he's tried and executed... And back to the future. Um, before he ever kills the king of Hyrule or does his coup or does any of the shit that he does. Executed him. Um, really. Uh, in Ocarina of Time. And the execution is sort of covered in Twilight Princess. And oh yeah, that's right, that's It right. goes very badly, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, essentially, Link is kind of left adrift. Uh, Navi leaves him. Because uh, Navi, for some reason, feels no obligation to be with him. And I've always wondered what the fuck happened there. Like, why did Navi leave him? It's like his only friend. Yeah. Yeah, and then Zelda gives him the Ocarina of Time and is like, well, you know, if you're going to go off on, you do your stuff, take this with you, remember me. It's very sad. Yes. Um, And then he just kind of gets, like, Alice in Wonderlanded into this crazy shit and... I think it's, like, really about him having the opportunity to kind of go through this this growth as a person that he never really got to experience before, because he's basically adrift in time. Like, time isn't really 
something that he has a concept of anymore. He's been dragged back and forth between different bodies and different existent states so many times that he's yeah. kind of lost. Like, what does it mean to be a child? What does it mean to be an adult? I don't even have an idea of it anymore. I feel like that, along with the fact that, like, um, the mechanic of the game itself is you're, like, repeating everything, reliving everything over and over again. I definitely get a vibe from this game, at least, like, what it means to me, I guess, without going into detail, is, like, I think it's a story about childhood trauma, maybe, Mm -hmm. and, like, points in your life where some part of you is intrinsically changed, and that change happens literally in the form of right. masks. And the game on. opens with you being cursed into this form of being mm-hmm. a Deku. And mm-hmm. the interesting thing about this form is that, which you don't really pick up on it immediately, but as soon as you get into Clock Town, everyone treats you like a child. Like you can't defend yourself. You yep. can't be trusted. You, there's, uh, you're like an outsider, but you're also like powerless. It's very alienating. Yeah. I still feel that when I play that. I'm just Uh like, I can't do anything as Deku. Yeah. But... But that's not true. And then you, you know, you gain the ability to, you know, return to your normal self, and then you kind of enter these weird roles later on where you take on the mantle of a Goron hero, Mm -hmm. which for me is a very strong parallel with Ocarina of Time where he is kind of without any other context other than just being who he is, like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm expected to be this big hero that everyone looks up to and, um, like, will save everybody. Yeah. And I think that this time around, that's an idea that maybe Link is comfortable with. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, okay, like, I'm a hero, like, and, like, I have to save everybody, and this is something I understand and can wrap my head around. Yeah. But, so you think it's a very comfortable place for him Yeah, to be. I think that it's actually kind of comfortable, but it's also a little strange because um, I don't think that Link was ever really acknowledged in the same way that Dormani was. No. In, like, having that role in society. So it's no. kind of like an exercise in being a role model for others that yeah. he never really experienced. Um, and then uh, Zora Link, I've always kind of took a little bit of, uh, like, it's a little bit of a romantic story. Yeah. Like, it's really, Mikau's story is really about, like, him and his love for Lulu and, like, what that he went through in order to try to, like, save her. And that's something I think that Link is maybe coming into without any experience. Yeah. In that realm. Also, when he's telling you his life story in his literal dying breath, he's like... This is like the fucking, like... <laughs> it's like the fucking Oscar-winning moment from the game. Like, so Mikhail's performance is he just... You, he washes up on the beach, you drag him onto yeah. the beach, he's being pecked up by seagulls, and he, with his last breath, gives out a fucking... <laughs> performance on his guitar and then dies. It's like and... some JoJo's Bizarre Adventure oh my shit. God. It's so strange. And then Link, like, takes the guitar and fucking, like, makes a grave marker on the beach and it's, like, the saddest shit I've ever seen in my life. It's very beautiful. <laughs> oh my god. And it always confused me how all the Zoras were so dumb and were just like, hey, where's Miko? Oh, that's him. This guy who looks, like, almost entirely different. <laughs> yeah, it's really something. 
but yeah, it's it's Mikau has this role of being again like a role model. People look up to him. He's a really talented musician, and it seems like he is maybe like descended from Zora heroes. That's why he has like sure. all the fighting abilities and he, stuff. He's in the same bloodline as like Mifa and Sidon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and Mikau's story is really about how he like went to go to try to save Lulu's eggs and died in the process. It's really beautiful. And Link kind of has to finish that. Kind of finish this really romantic story that he doesn't have as much context to relate to as Darmani, maybe? And so- ending... Putting him in a situation with with another Zora. <laughs> because there's the scene where he and Rudo get proposed to. I never realized. What he is so it many... with, like, Link's character and just, like, always, like, getting down with Zora's? And, like... then, and then Link and Mifa are dating, and then, like, Link and Sidon are, like, a popular thing that people like, and there's, like, a little hinting in there. In the I think Zora's are just sexy. I think Link is just into Zora's. I think that the game just tries to convey to you, like, Zora's are really sexy. And so they always, like, try to put Link in these situations that are sexy with It's Zoras. like, we're not going to do this with Gorons. Yeah, Gorons aren't sexy. Because though. they're just rock people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're the... Zoras are the elves and Gorons are the dwarves, so... Yeah. We, we I mean, dwar- go dwarves, are, elves, dwarves right? are a little sexy. Are Gorons sexy? They're in their own... They don't wear clothes, really. But is that sexy? Honestly, a I little bit. I think they reproduce by budding. <laughs> Yeah, I think they're. I think they just come out of the ground. Yeah, I think that like they don't think they like roll up on each other. No, you know what? I think probably just like a Goron just kind of pops out of the ground one day, and whatever Goron is nearest is like that's my baby. That's my baby now. (laughs) Maybe it's like a seed. Oh jeez, I better do something about this. Maybe they like break a rock off of their back and they put it in the ground, and then a baby grows out. That's weird. I do like that, but. Rock, they have any kind of sexuality. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I don't know. You don't think they? You don't think they kiss? I mean, they dance. Yeah, that's probably what they do. They They're probably like, together. let us express, let us express our love with a hearty dance, Goro. <laughs> and that's that's Goron. <laughs> Okay. That's why the Goron I'm mating ritual. I'm glad that a topic on this episode is going to be Goron. Can... Are, are they sexy? We have the answer. <laughs> Goron sub- subjects, Goron mating rituals. <laughs> is that the episode title? Yeah, I really would like this episode <laughs> to be called Goron mating rituals. I'm um, holding you to that. Oh my gosh. Uh, maybe, maybe they do. I don't know. Like, how would Goron... Even... Zora's kiss. Zora's kiss and have sex and stuff. Yeah, and then, like, one of them lays all the eggs. They have, like, Final Fantasy X underwater sex. Yeah, it's like that. It's very, very romantic and sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Can Zoras and and Hylians do it and have babies? This is the question that all of the fanfic writers have wanted. No, I don't think so. Because, like, I think a half Zora, half human would be kind of a... I think, I think that all of the um, Zelda RP forums I was on in the early uh, to mid-2000s would disagree with you on that yeah. front. <laughs> that was probably one of the most popular characters, was that you make, like, a half-Zora character. <laughs> do, do Deku's fuck? Deku's? Well, the butler has a son, so they definitely have some... Well, the, it probably just grew out of him. 
like a sea. Or like the princess. You think it's like a sea? Probably just dropped some pollen on the ground somewhere, and then like fifty tiny they little plant, sprouts came up, and he's like, "Oh, this is fifty suns for me." Do you yeah. have to like water it and like? You have to take care of it. You have to put fertilizer it. in it. Photosynthesis. Like, Do you think Deku? Can I have this headcanon? Do Deku's eat? No. Do they, just they get nutrients from the ground. I think they just like go in a flower and they're like. Mm flower juices or that what if eat, that's eating that's like a butterfly what if they like japanese office style like go out into the sun and just like do a bunch of stretches and they're like photosynthesis <laughs> like as like a we ritual are so far on a tangent right no now. this is so good this is the shit i want to get into i want to it's an in-depth zelda podcast yeah this is our free form jazz exploration. Deku's are in Majora's Mask the most out of any Zelda game. Oh, and that's my favorite fucking thing about the game. The Indigo how good the Deku's are. The Indigo Goes are like a jazz band. Yeah, what the fuck? It's very good. The entirety of Great Bay is just like a concert locale for Zora's. Yeah. I don't think it's like really a place where they like live. I think it's, it's just not like a town. A municipal building. I think I think it's just a cool concert hall where the where the rock stars hang out. Yeah, it's like the Sydney Opera House, but for Zora's. Yeah, it basically is. I mean, it kind of looks like it too on I, the top. I like how Zora's like shitty rock. Like Zora's are supposed to be like elves, right? Mm-hmm. And elves like play harps and stuff. They play like really pretty music, like oh, come delight. But Zora's are like. Bow, 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 bow. I don't even remember. She sings like Ballad of the Windfish, which is a cool reference to Link's Awakening, which is my favorite Zelda. They call it that, but it's not. It's not really. No. It's just like, it's just a reference. That's actually a really cool little mouse quest that you get to do is you have to like play all the different parts of it and then the game like overlays it all together. It's really cute. cute, That happens in the milk bar. The milk bar. It's all come for the circle. Our podcast, The Milk Bar. Um, yeah. What else do we have to say about this great game? Majora's Mask is a good game, and you should play it. It's a hidden gem. It's really not. No <laughs> it one, used to be. It's an indie game that no one's ever heard of. Majora's Mask. We, I think we did this bit in the first episode. Yes, we did. We can't do this again. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our indie game podcast. Yeah, um... Oh, I guess wrapping up should be my job, huh? Yeah. It's my job to wrap this up? Well, thank you for taking the time. That was a reference to the, the video well, game we talked about. Well, because the game is like about time travel. It's a time game. They, thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I, we hope you, what what should I say? Like, comment, and subscribe. Yeah, like, comment, subscribe. Thanks, Koji uh, Kondo, for the song that we used at the beginning. Send it to and all, for all your, Zelda music. Send it to all your friends. Um... If you have, like, comments or, like, you want to suggest future discussion topics, um, this would be, like, a good spot for, like, a mail section if we had some mail. So if you guys want to send in mail about all your favorite Majora's Mask things. Just put it in the mailbox and draw Triforce on it. Yeah, and then the post office will, that that is, uh... Delivered straight to my the, house. The postman will take it. Yeah. The postman from Zelda. Put it in the red box and um, it will oh, get right. delivered. If it's um, dancing, that means you have mail. Um, yeah. 
What email should we have? We don't have... We need to make one. Next episode, we'll have an email for you to send emails to. We'll have an email next time, but for now, you can uh, send messages to uh, my Twitter account, which is uh, Trashboats with a zero for the O. I'll put put that in the description, um, a link to that. So you can send me a tweet tweet at me. It's different than the last time we did an episode. Yeah, it's probably different. Um, Yeah. Tweet at me about that, and I'll set up an email for next time. Um, and yeah, we'll read those, and uh, that is all we have for you guys today. And now I'll do the famous sign-off, which is... Don't forget to wear a cow mask. No. We'll figure it out. Okay, next Bye. time. Bye. Bye.